0: Welcome to Amplifying Leadership, a place where we talk with guests on their leadership journeys and hear what they think is key to becoming a great leader. My name is Tara Lehman, and I am a partner, coach, and consultant at Twin Life Coaching and Business Services, of which Amplifying Leadership is a division. For our leadership clients, we support you through this podcast and various leadership growth services. To learn more about Amplifying Leadership and our community, please visit amplifyingleadership.ca. Today, I am welcoming John, who is an international speaker who inspires and empowers to change the world through servant and love-based leadership. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, how's it going? It's great to be here.
0: Thank you. It's going well. Well, I like to always start with introducing um, you to our listeners today. So tell us a little bit about your leadership story
1: my leadership story started when i was 12 years old believe wow. it or not yeah, yeah yeah so i had gotten into martial arts at a re- re- regularly or reasonably young age uh probably 11 i think and um kind of quickly was known as somebody that could could do I'll keep up, I guess. And yeah. one day the, the sensei was stuck in traffic and so she didn't show up. And so the parents of the class said, you know, we think you should teach, John. And I was like, oh, no, no, absolutely not. Wow. I, I'm not the oldest. I'm not the highest ranking. I mean, yeah. there was no there literally was no reason that I should be the one that they asked. And they said, well, we're paying for the class and we think you should teach. <laughs> wow. And uh, So I stepped in front of that class and uh, that was my first foray into leadership. Um, and, and and it continued from there. By the time I was 15, I was the assistant instructor. By the time I was 17, I had my own classes, and by the time I was 19, I had over 500 students in the Phoenix metro area. Oh my goodness!
0: Wow, um, that's an accomplishment. Yeah.
1: It was it was remarkable, and, and I had other scenarios where I was functioning in leadership. I coached some soccer and uh, just in business and things like that. The problem was is that despite having these opportunities for leadership, I was not mature enough for the leadership. And so, okay. you know, you, you get the experience and and you are able to learn things, but ultimately, if you have character flaws, leadership is going to be the easiest way to reveal those because you're under a microscope. Um, And so for me, uh, part of my journey was that at 19, with everything going for me, and so much potential, I made a really terrible decision. Um, And me and three of my friends had this brilliant idea to light a building on fire. Absolutely terrible decision. And if that decision itself was not bad enough, uh, my best friend who lit the match did not make it out of the building alive.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry to hear
1: that. And so uh lost my best friend, obviously, and was sentenced to prison. Uh, you know, that's that's a that's a crime. That's that's not okay. And yeah. that was a huge wake-up call for me. And I had to address character issues of courage and integrity and all the things that at 19, with everything going for me, I didn't have. I didn't mm-hmm. have. I, I was I was living a, a duplicitous life and and it was all about ego and and nothing about service, even though I had these opportunities where by that time I'd been in leadership. The neat thing is, is that as I addressed those things, the call to leadership, if I can call it, that didn't go away. And so even in prison, I was given opportunities to lead, uh, surprisingly. Wow. And so by the time I left prison, I was actually, my legacy was having built or real, I should maybe I shouldn't say built because there was other people that were obviously involved, but I left a legacy of what was known as IPP. It stood for Inmate Peer Programming. And okay. basically it was programs that were by, for, and through the inmates that were designed to help empower people to successfully transition back into the community, and we were offering everything from uh, parenting to money management to small business to uh, rehabilitation classes all sorts of stuff and my job was not only to offer those classes but to actually bring up the leaders that would offer those classes so I'll I was see, kind of okay. doing like train the trainer and stuff like that yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so uh, that was that was my legacy is, is that I built programs and, and helped provide a path for success. And then I got out of prison. And and thankfully, you know, not just another statistic. I had used my time. Well, I had gotten degrees. I had done all sorts of stuff. And uh, three weeks after I got out, I had the opportunity to uh, someone gave me a shot. They said, you know how to build curricula. We need a trainer. So why don't you come in and build some training for us? And I started functioning again, kind of in what I'd been doing, providing meaningful content and training. And I think it was a month and a half later, they said, um, yeah, we don't really want you as a contractor anymore. What do we got to do to keep you? And so oh, they made wow. me the training okay. manager of an international logistics company. And so wow. two months out of prison, I'm once again in like full-time leadership, helping lead a, 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 an international company. And then that company uh, was kind of the impetus for this servant-minded leadership or SML consultive that I'm starting now, um, and it's happening at, at the same time. So I've got this consultancy where I'm trying to empower people to be effective leaders while I am also leading. And so that company that hired me as a contractor to build some content and then promoted me to training manager um, then decided, you know what, uh, we actually want you to have a more dynamic role, and they uh, asked me to be their director of revenue. And oh, so, wow. well um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that's kind of my journey where it's been everything from uh, church. I, I didn't mention church, but I'm also leading uh, the college group at the church that I'm a part of. And so uh, being able to speak into the lives of 18 to 25 year olds there at my church um, and just trying to pour into it. But it was honestly during the prison time that I kind of really stepped into what real leadership is instead of just being at the front of the room, which is what had happened so much before and now i'm just trying to live out that uh, servant-minded leadership that i love to help and en- encourage others to do the same
0: so i guess there is a silver lining to your dark cloud
1: there really is uh, i have this saying that i really love and that is that god has the uh in uncanny ability to take our stupidity and turn it into something great
0: and, <laughs> well uh, it certainly worked in your case that's yeah, for, sure. for sure
1: for sure wow
0: that's quite the journey so it let is. me tell you uh, let me ask you um Besides your prison obstacle, obviously, yeah. that was an obstacle to your leadership. Yeah. Is there, was there any other large obstacles that you've had bumps along the way, so to speak, that have kind of not held you back, but were, were bumps in the road on your journey?
1: I have to just take ownership and say I've been the biggest bump yeah. in my leadership journey. Uh, I tell you, it's so easy to step into a heart of leader. Uh, I'm sorry. It's so easy to step into a heart of ego instead of a heart of love. And when and when you do, you're not effectively leading. And so there's been many times on the journey where I had to say, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not leading, you're directing. Mm -hmm. You're not leading, you're ordering. And those are very different places. So I think the the major bumps that I've encountered, they're me. And and I had to stop doing that.
0: I think it normally is, especially at the beginning of of leadership, right? Absolutely. You know, I think we have to learn that as we grow. All right, 100
1: percent. Yeah.
0: So obviously you talk a lot about servant based leadership. Let's talk a little bit more about that for our listeners, why that speaks to you.
1: So I first became acquainted with the idea of just servant leadership uh, through some reading that I did. And and a lot of John Maxwell, John Maxwell influenced Mm -hmm. a lot of the thought that I had on servant leadership. But what I found, and uh, this I, this is probably not universal, but I think in a lot of play- cases, uh, servant leadership has been undersold and therefore under-delivered. Uh, what, what's happened over the last 30-ish years is that in an effort to get companies to pay for leadership coaching, there's been a huge emphasis on the ROI.
0: Yes, Now, obviously. I
1: agree. ROI is important. But the problem is, is that instead of it be, being about the, the leaders serving, it's become about, listen, if you'll do this, you'll get that. It's going become a quid pro quo arrangement. Mm-hmm. And it's almost not servant leadership. It's almost manipulation. Uh, Again, yeah, not every time, not every person, but I just see that a lot where it's not so much like, hey, how can you genuinely impact lives for good? It's like, hey, if you do this, you're going to get better output or you're going to get whatever it is. And while servant leadership will give you better output, what what I've been really focusing on and trying to assist my clients with is servant-minded leadership, where the leaders understand they are uniquely positioned to dynamically impact the lives of those they lead. And they're going to, whether for good or for bad. Mm -hmm. So what are we going to do in that scenario? Are we going to make the most of it and provide positive and encouraging and beneficial leadership? Or are they going to be telling a story in 10 years about this terrible boss that did this, said that, wouldn't understand, wouldn't listen, whatever it is?
0: Yeah, we've all had one of those as well. <laughs> Every single one.
1: Sometimes we have been that one, right? Yes,
0: right. You've got to learn as you go. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit more about servant-minded leadership with regards to your journey. So how did you discover that for yourself? Was that through Maxwell or was it through something else?
1: Yeah, I don't know if there was a specific point. I think it was a gradual understanding where I came to realize that uh, real leadership makes an impact But not for selfish gain. And I think one of the ways that that was easiest, you know, prison is not a good time. I I don't recommend anybody go there. But uh, in that environment, people that are doing good things are not particularly liked, you know, nobody knows how to, nobody knew how to deal with me. The staff didn't know how to deal with me. The inmates didn't know how to deal with me. And uh, I was there for 12 years. I mean, it was a a chunk wow. of time. And so to be able to navigate that, you have to say, all right, what's the right thing to do? And it doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to do the right thing and know that when my head hits the pillow, I did my best. Right, Pass or yeah. fail, succeed or not, I, I did the best I could. And so that really helped shape me and helped me to, to kind of come to a place of like, you know what? I'm going to serve. I, I'm going to do the best I can. And you know what? This person that I'm pouring into, they might never do the right thing. They might be back 10 to, there were times that there people that I knew that had been back three, four, five, eight times to prison. Just keep coming back.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. And I'd have,
1: I had one person, I don't think I'll ever forget it. They came up and they said, hey, do you remember me? You actually taught my reentry class. And I, I literally looked at him square in the eyes. I said, well, I guess I didn't do a very good job. And they said, no, <laughs> you did great. I just didn't put any of it into practice. Uh, well, at least you know you did well. <laughs> and- and and so, but just being willing to do that. And so now mm-hmm. I transfer that into the corporate world. And yes, of course, from a, 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 you know, a book's perspective, you, you have to be able to justify the cost. And from an HR yeah. perspective, you're looking for conflict resolution, but from a leadership perspective saying, it's not about moving up the ladder. It's not about getting that next, whether it's a promotion or somebody likes you or that next invitation, it's about. I'm in this position and I have a choice. Am I going to make a positive impact or a negative one? And so for me, it was a gradual thing, but it's become a passionate, passionate part of me.
0: And I love the word choice because everything we do is a choice, right? And although your path was difficult, you learned how to build choice into your future decisions. And all leaders have choices. We can choose to be a micromanager or we can choose to involve the team. In any decisions that we make, right? And so servant minded leadership, I like how you say that, um, certainly speaks to bringing in the team, you know, something I used to do was, we had to make major changes to something besides whatever was required by law, ask the team, is there anything else that we should be putting into this procedure? You know, what do you guys think? And I think that's so
1: important. I agree. I just literally was just doing that uh, right before okay. we got on this call. And, and and there was a lot of, Hey, what do you think about this? And do you yeah. like that? And, 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 and I was checking their work. I'd trying to empower them, but they said, Hey, can you come review this? And I said, Hey, you know, I really like what you did here. What do you think it would look like if we did it yeah. like this? Do you, do you, uh, do you like that? Do you think it's better? I do it top and bottom, you know, all right, here's my version. Here's yours. Which one do you like better? And, um, mm-hmm celebrating yeah. it when they, even when they said, no, I like mine better. Great. Awesome. Let's go with yours then. Yeah. You know, and, and celebrating that. And I think that's super valuable.
0: And you know, when we talk about servant minded leadership and we talk about ROI, I mean, you can look at things like employee retention. Number one, if they're still there, they're feeling welcome, heard and included. Yes. Right. Yes. Speaking to the DEI piece of it as well. Yeah. So yeah. I think that there are ROIs
1: even profits
0: can go up if you can figure out how to map that to see it, right?
1: Yeah, and that's so from a from my business perspective, when I'm selling the product and I'm talking to HR representatives and executives, that's actually the line I use that we empower frontline leaders because I focus on the frontline ones more than the executives. So we empower frontline leaders to effectively engage with their teams, via servant minded, love based leadership in order to improve employee retention and customer satisfaction. You're going to do that. Um, But that has to be only at the purchaser level, I'll call it. If you're the one buying the service, that's that's the benefit. But what I'm going to teach the actual leaders is how to effectively engage with their team.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. So let's continue our conversation with the servant-minded leadership around communication. So is there something that is a key piece of communication that you feel great servant-based leaders should be looking at?
1: I think authentic communication. I think too often yeah. we are scripted. Um, we're, we're worried about what could or could not be used against us. And this is again, where the servant minded leadership minded really is mindfulness. It's being mm-hmm. present. It's being authentic. Um, there's a, I think it's, um, oh, it's not Maxwell. It is. Dave Ramsey. I think Dave Ramsey has a speech on leadership where he talks about the value of communication. And he says, if you don't tell them what's actually going on, they'll make up something far worse. Yes. (laughs) And uh, that resonates, right? Like how many rumors could have just been stopped if the leader would have been transparent and been like, Hey guys, here's what we're working through. I don't have an answer yet. But this is the legit story, not, oh, I don't want to tell them anything because then they might get scared. They're already scared if you don't tell them something. They... So I think authentic communication is really powerful. That doesn't mean unwise communication. That doesn't mean betraying you know, secrets. If you're in the middle management tier, there's certain confidentiality that you have to maintain. But trying to be authentic and trying to keep those lines of communication open. And I'll add in that line of of authentic communication, one of the things I see leaders do wrong so much is they won't share anything with their team. They operate on that need to know thing and they don't think their team needs to know anything. (laughs) But then they're shocked when their team doesn't tell them anything. Mm -hmm. And it's not like your example in communication is going to be what's reciprocated.
0: Exactly. So
1: if if you can't (laughs) communicate, what makes you think that they're going to?
0: Yeah, I remember my corporate life as a leader, I would yeah. have open door and open book, meaning some finances, yes. whatever we were permitted to share, Um, so that people had an understanding of what was going on. And they knew that they could come to me, they could feel included, they could be heard. I mean, how many safety things go unchecked because people are afraid to talk to their manager or that they have a closed door yeah. manager, right? I yeah. mean, how many times does that happen and the cost associated with it?
1: It is. And, and I, I did, a, I think I did like a 12 part series on approachability as leaders. I have a, a YouTube channel that I post videos on three times a week. And um, you almost have to be intentional, right? You talk about your yes. open door policy. I guarantee you, if you just left the door open, not very many people were coming in because you're still the leader. You're still scary, even when you don't want to be. Yeah, just that, that yeah. title makes you unapproachable. And so you have to be very intentional. And again, if we aren't intentional about being open, why are they going to be intentional about approaching?
0: Yeah, it, it yeah. starts with
1: what we do. Yeah,
0: exactly. Even just going out, if it's a floor or wherever you work, going out and talking to your team, saying good morning, even just something that yes. allows them to feel like they belong as part of your team.
1: A hundred percent. Awesome.
0: Awesome. I love that. And communication is one of my favorite pieces to talk about. I love so it. I, I love all the, it's picking. my minor. I can,
1: yeah, we can talk for <laughs> think, days on communication. <laughs> I, yeah.
0: <laughs> most Most of my guests say that because it is so yeah, important
1: for leaders. It is. It is. Yeah.
0: What would you say if I had to ask you what that biggest part of servant and love minded leadership is, what is the biggest part of it to lead effectively, maybe even as a new leader who is just figuring this all out? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so I define love as having a genuine interest or a genuine desire for the best interest of another. Um, and so I think that it starts with loving people in general, not that you can do everything that everybody wants. That's not what love means, but love means, you know, having that genuine interest. If you hate people in general, you're, you're going to really struggle as a leader. You really are. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, it's just, it's going to be tough. So starting by just having a general compassion for humanity, I think is where it starts. And then if you have that, you can build on that by having a genuine love for your team where you want what's best for them. And that form of leadership allows you to do things that a lot of people really struggle with. Uh, I had a scenario where somebody came to me and they said, hey, I've got a guy on my team. I'm really close to him. We're kind of friends outside of work. The guy's got a hygiene issue and, and other people are complaining. I don't know how to deal with this because he's my friend. And I said, you are so lucky he's your friend. You've already built the relationship that he already knows yeah. you care about him. Use that, yeah, as a as your springboard to say, "Hey, dude, listen. You know I love you. You know we're, we're we're pals, and I gotta bring this to you because right now I love you enough to share with you this. I mean, it might be a little embarrassing." but I want you to succeed and I want your team to like you and I want you to be more productive. And so if, if a leader authentically loves their team, it allows them to make even a hard decision. A a teammate is you know upset because they're not making enough money. Well, if they don't think you love them, it's all about the money. Yes. But if, but if you have a genuine care for them and you can with authenticity say, Hey, I would love to give you a raise. It's not in the best interest of the organization to give you a raise. And I could, give you the raise now. But in six months, we're all out of a job. So because I care about you and I care about the team, the best thing I can do is make sure you have job stability by being financially responsible and not doing everything you want, but what is necessary for everybody. And that's a very different conversation if we genuinely love them as opposed to if we don't.
0: And even goes back to the transparency piece and authenticity piece that you're talking about, because Organizations sometimes can't do anything with wages, but if you have a great team and everybody does feel that that love that you're talking about, yeah. they're not going to run to the next job just because it's, you know, 50 cents more no. an hour. They're no. going to stay there because they know you care. You, they know you're listening to what they have to say and they feel welcome. They feel like a family in some cases, depending on the size of an organization.
1: Yeah. And as as you said, if they feel heard, there's going to be a sense of belonging and community yes. that, you know, they're going to be scared to go anywhere else because they don't know if those people are going to be the same as these people.
0: Exactly. And that's, you know, that helps an organization grow and, and build those profits yeah. and cost savings that we've been talking about for sure. So if our audience today had to leave with a key takeaway from you, what would it be?
1: I, I think it would be exactly what we were just saying. Um, I, I th- there, there's just not much better advice I can say than if you are a leader, whether a formal or informal. If you are leading somebody, take time to genuinely love them. Like, look in your heart. Where is that in you? And then let them know, uh, you know, there's all sorts of love languages in different ways, but but they should know via that great communication, via great listening, via uh, whatever you can do as a leader. Authentically love your team, and it's amazing, what can happen in the context of that relationship um, that where they just know like, Oh, no, that person cares about me. Um, and they those bosses are far and few between. They really oh, are. Yeah. So if you are a leader and you genuinely care, make sure your team knows Yeah. Let that reflect in that availability and all those things that, you know, we could probably both go on for hours about <laughs> all the bullet points and, and ways to <laughs> ways to show you care. But I, I just, I don't see anything more important than that. Um, Have a genuine heart to serve and recognize Mm -hmm. no one is better positioned than you as that leader to effectively impact and dynamically change the life of the person in front of you.
0: I 100% agree. And you touched on the word belonging earlier. And I think that's an important one that goes with what you're saying as well. If we feel, even as leaders, that we belong in our organization, then it's going to be a much easier place and a much better culture overall. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today. It has been wonderful getting to learn more about you and your servant-minded leadership thought. Thank you.
1: It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'd love to share.
0: So if any of our listeners today wanted to learn more about you or what you do, is there a way they can find you online?
1: Yeah, uh, we are all over the place. If you look up Servant-Minded Leadership on almost any platform, you're going to find us. So the website is just www.ServantMindedLeadership, all one word. Uh, LinkedIn, we've got Servant-Minded Leadership. Uh, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. uh, Where else are we? I don't know. We're all over the place. Uh, (laughs) Servant-Minded Leadership. YouTube, though. YouTube's a big one. YouTube at Servant-Minded Leadership. Uh, That's our channel that we put out videos every week. Uh, They're usually short, two to four minutes long, just quick little... Uh, quick little nuggets of, on how to lead and. Um,
0: but easy, easy to find you. That's yes, awesome. servant minded leadership, you, yeah. Ken.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Tara.
0: Thank you, of course, to our listeners. We both hope you are taking away some key tips from John today. Leaders need to continually grow and develop for themselves and for their team. If you're looking for support and development or want to join a community, please visit amplifyingleadership.ca a Twin Life Coaching and Business Services division for all the details. Until next time, please be safe and be an amazing leader for leaders to be.